Hey, long time no see. Long time no see. I just want to let you guys know that this worship team absolutely loves worshiping with you guys. We are so blessed. <laughs> we say it all the time. We are truly blessed to have you guys here with us, worshiping with us every single Sunday. And, uh, you know, we, we pray often for unity. We pray often for unity for us as a worship team. But we've learned to pray for unity not just for the people on the stage because we are not the worship team. We are the worship team, okay? And it's important, it's important that there's unity in the house of God. It's a godly principle. It's a spirit of God. And it's important that we can come into praise and worship with unity as one song, with one voice, as one spirit worshiping the King of Kings. You guys realize that? It's important. It's important. We are not up here worshiping for you. We are up here worshiping with you. We cannot worship for you. We cannot. We physically and spiritually cannot. We cannot worship for you. We worship with you. And the only difference here is that we're here on Tuesday just organizing things a little bit. It's the only difference. It's the only difference. You guys are the worship team. You guys are the worship team. And I just want to take a moment, uh, and I want to just thank Carlos. Uh, guys, uh, the, the Bible says to give honor where honor is due. And you know that man deserves some honor right now for everything that he does for the time that he puts in, and you know what, for the time his family puts in. Carlos, you give so much, and we're really thankful. Come on, we are really thankful. You deserve it, Carlos, thank you. There is so much we don't know that this man does. There is so much that this man does that I don't even know. Carlos, thank you. And we'll, while we're in that vein of thankfulness, you guys, you realize we have an amazing pastor at this church. We have an incredible pastor at this church, and he deserves honor where honor is due right now. I want you guys, I know he's not in this room, but he deserves because he gives his entire life to watch over our spiritual walk. He doesn't get enough thanks for what he does. Not even close, not even close. So pastor, wherever you are, whatever you're doing right now, know that this church loves you and we are so thankful for everything that you do for us. Thank you, pastor. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for the dedication that you give to us spiritually. Thank you. Do you guys realize that every single Sunday he gets up here and he, you know pastor loves to cook. I don't know if you guys know that, but he loves to cook. He loves to eat, I love to eat, we love to eat, we love to cook. I end up talking about meatballs every time I'm up here, I don't know why. But, but listen, listen, pastor loves to cook in the physical, but he also loves to cook in the spiritual. And every single Sunday, he is up here dishing out filet mignon. I don't know if you guys realize that, because maybe you haven't eaten at a lot of other restaurants, but at this restaurant, you are getting served filet mignon every single Sunday. Pastor, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to make that for us. Thank you for taking the time to find the recipe. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. I'm gonna do my very best, and if I'm lucky, you guys will get Raymond noodles, okay? Okay? So I hope you all like Raymond noodles. I hope you all got your bowls ready. 
<laughs> Pastor, <laughs> Pastor uh, asked me to preach about praise. Go figure, right? Pastor asked me to preach about praise. And uh, I got alone with God. And I said, God, help, you know, help me understand this. Help me understand this more. Help me understand this more, God. One thing I know, God, is that I love to worship you. One thing I know, God, is I love being in your presence, Lord Jesus. Lord, and I want everybody to know, Lord Jesus, whether they've only been with you for five seconds or whether they've been with you their whole life, Lord, I want everybody to know how good you are and how awesome that you are and that chains are broken when we go into your presence. So I started digging into the Bible and I, I came across the very first time that the word praise is mentioned in the Bible. Uh, the very first time uh, is in Genesis 29:35, And I wanna give you guys a little backstory on this, okay? I want you guys to understand who these people are so that you can understand the power of this message, okay? So uh, my sermon title is, It's Not a Song, It's a Launching Pad. Okay, because what we do together are not just songs. This is not a sing-along. This is not karaoke. There is something really powerful about what we do. And we take that song and we turn it into a launching pad into many, many, many different uh, aspects of his presence. This song is a launching pad into his presence. And the very first time that the word praise is mentioned in Genesis 29, 35, uh, it is the story of Jacob. And Jacob is at his father's house. Jacob is with his father, his father Isaac. And his father Isaac says, Jacob, it's time. You need to go and you need to get yourself a wife. So Jacob says, okay. And he says, I know exactly where you should go. You need to go to your uncle's house, Laban, and find yourself a wife. Okay, guys, things were a little different back then, okay? If you got any, if, if that kind of like stirs up some serious questions, Pastor Rob will be back in a few days, okay? So we'll just go ahead and fill up his, his counseling schedule. So. So, he, so, so Jacob is on his way to find his wife. He's going through the desert. He's walking, he's walking, he's walking, and he comes across a well. And uh, I guess if, if I was walking through the desert, that'd be a pretty good thing to come across. So obviously he goes to the well and he sees that there's a few different people there with uh, their flocks, their herds, their sheep. And he goes up to them and I don't think Jacob was great at small talk because just reading this, I don't think he was great at small talk. He, he goes up to these people and he says, oh, hey, where are you guys from? Hey, where are you from? Uh, and they, they say where they're from. He's like, oh, that's where my Uncle Laban's from. Do you know my uncle? Hey, by any chance, do you know my Uncle Laban? They say, yeah, we know your Uncle Laban. He says, oh, how, how's he doing? This is actually what he said. How's he doing? They said, he's doing good. And oh, hey, speak of your Uncle Laban. Here comes his daughter, Rachel. So here comes Rachel. You know, she's got her, she's a shepherdess. She's got her cloth. You know, she's got her shepherd clothes on. You know, she's got her, uh, her staff, you know, and uh, Jacob takes one look at her and he's like, whoa, look at that staff. That's, that's, look at that cloak. That's what I'm talking about. So, so he runs up to her. He runs up to her 
and he kisses her and he screams, the Bible says. He lets out a shout. Now I'm telling you, Jacob, if it was 2019, you would have got maced right there. Like, you don't do that, you know. And then afterwards, he's like, oh, by the way, I'm, we're related, you know, it's okay. After the fact, he says that. So Rachel goes running home and says, dad, 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 we have family, there's family in town, there's family in town. Uncle Laban comes out, greets Jacob with a kiss and a hug and says, come to my house. Come to my house. You're welcome to my house. He says, I don't want you to work for free. You can work, but I don't want you to work for free. You're flesh and blood. You're my blood. What would you like? He says, I want your daughter, Rachel. He says, okay, seven years. Seven years. I guess seven, seven years is, is, you know, how much, you know, they agreed on. Seven years. Okay. He says, happily. You see that girl? Happily. I will work seven years for Rachel. So Jacob works and he works and he works and he works, faithful. He works and he works and he works. And he's watching his clock. He's watching the calendar. He's watching his watch. And the day comes seven years later. And he goes to his uncle Laban and he says, tonight's my wedding night. Tonight is my wedding night. I am ready. I've been counting the days. I am ready. So uncle Laban says, okay, let's do it. Let's have the wedding. Let's do it. So Jacob and Rachel, they get married. And during their wedding night, sneaky Uncle Laban switches out Rachel for the oldest daughter, Leah. So Jacob wakes up in the morning and he realizes what happened. He says, that's not even funny. Who are, what are you doing here? Laban, well, this isn't even funny. Are you serious? What's going on here? I worked seven years for Rachel. I worked seven years. So Uncle Laban says, you know, if you work another seven years. Now listen, Laban is the reason that we have 100-page contracts for anything these days. He is the reason. If you want to blame it on anybody, blame it on him. Because if I was Jacob, I would have said, I want it in writing this time, okay? If I'm going to work another seven years for what I've already worked for, I, we're doing it in writing. I want it in blood, all right? I want it in blood. He's the reason we have contracts. He's the reason. So Jacob works another seven years. And the reason I'm telling you this, the reason I went back so far, because this isn't, this isn't what I'm getting at. The reason I went back so far is first you need to see, first of all, how much Jacob loved Rachel. You need to see that. You need to see that everybody in that nation, everyone in that town, everyone in that village, everyone there knew how much Jacob loved Rachel because they watched him for seven years working for her. Everyone knew this, including her sister Leah. Does anybody think here that maybe Leah's father set her up for some rejection in her life? Maybe her father set her up for some rejection in her relationship. And maybe some of us even can relate to that just a little bit. Not in the same exact way, but maybe we feel like we've been set up. Maybe we have been set up. Maybe from the beginning, we've been set up for rejection. So Leah goes on to give birth. Leah is Jacob's wife. Leah goes on to give birth. She conceives a son. And if, you, if we're gonna go ahead and put this scripture up, I'm gonna read this scripture. It says, so Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, the Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, 
my husband will love me. Now he'll love me. Now this rejection is going to be fixed. But it wasn't. The, next, the very next scripture, she conceives another son. She conceives another son in verse 33. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord had heard that I am unloved, he therefore has given me this son. She called his name Simeon. She says, now I'm going to be loved. Now this is going to be the thing that gets me love. This is going to be it. In the very next scripture, she conceives another son. She conceives again and she bore a son and said, now this time, this time, my husband will surely love me because I've borne him three sons. This time, it's going to happen. This time, it's going to happen. You know, we, we, we try to fill our lives with so many things. And, and back then, now children are important. They're still important, very important. The, one of the most important things in my life are my children. And back then, it was just even that much more. This was a big deal. She really, she felt this is it. This is it. And many times in our lives, we have so many things that we try to fill our lives with. We try to fill our lives. We say, God, if, you know, if, I, if I can get a better job, then I can supply a little bit more, and then maybe we can get a, this house, and maybe, uh, maybe then this void's gonna be filled. Maybe it's something that your husband has said to you. Maybe it's something that your wife has said to you. Maybe it's just a deep-seated rejection, but we're always looking to fill those voids in the wrong places. But what's really powerful about this is the next verse. Because she conceived a fourth son, and she said, she conceived and bore another son, and she says, now, this time, I will praise the Lord. Amen. She said, this isn't working. This isn't working. I'm trying to fill this void, but you know what? God, I give up. I surrender. I'm just gonna choose to praise you. And you know what? She named her son. She named her son Judah, which means praise. You know what that means? It means that she made a decision she made a decision, she made a choice to praise when it wasn't easy because usually our decision to praise is never in an easy place. It's never in an easy place because we can come to praise out of an, an amazing moment but we didn't choose to do it, it just kind of happened. When we choose to praise, it doesn't come out of an easy place. But what's really important to see here is that number one, she chose to praise but not just that. She set a declaration on her life by naming her son praise. Every single time she called out to her son, she's reminded, I'm choosing to praise. I have chosen to praise. I have chosen to praise. I trade my rejection for your healing. Go ahead, put this up. I trade my rejection for your presence. Lord, I trade my rejection for your presence. Lord, I trade my hurt for your healing. I want you to say this over your life right now. Go back to this first one. I want you to say this right now. Say it. I trade my rejection for your presence. I trade my rejection for your praise. I trade my hurt for your healing. Lord, it's my choice. But I know that you will hear me. Because you are faithful, you are, right? Because you're faithful, 
Lord, because you're faithful. This is why we sing these songs. This is why we sing the songs. One thing I learned is that praise is a choice. And the second thing that I learned is that praise wins over rejection every time. And this is why we sing, I believe I am who you say I am. This is why we sing these songs. This is why we sing, there's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. This is why we sing, he loves us. This is why we sing, this is why we sing. Because when we trade in our rejection for his presence, we come across our destiny. Lord Jesus, we come across our identity. Our identity is not found in this world, Lord Jesus. We know, Lord God, that we're born into a poor identity, but we find our identity through you, Lord Jesus, through the Spirit. Do you agree? Does somebody agree? Thank you, Lord. Listen, it's not just a song. The, what we're singing are not just songs. They are launching pads into our identity. They are launching pads into our identity. We sing these songs, I believe I am who you say I am. Lord, who do you say I am? I am more than a conqueror. And we start building, and we start building off of these truths. Because you know what? Rejection tries sneaking in. Rejection tries sneaking in, but we're too busy praising the Lord because rejection, ain't nobody got time for that. Come on, turn to somebody, turn to somebody. Say, ain't nobody got time for that. Turn to somebody else, ain't nobody got time for that. We don't have time for rejection. We don't have time for rejection. We're too busy going into the throne room. Jesus, we want you. We want you. We want your truth in our life. Thank you, Jesus. This is important. This is important. This is important. Listen to this. This song is a launching pad into his presence. Just put that back up for a moment. We call these songs praise songs. We sing praise songs. People write praise songs. The word praise song isn't in the Bible, and that's okay. We're not so spiritual that we say, well, that's not how it's said in the Bible. But listen, follow me here. The word praise song isn't in the Bible. It's a song of praise. And this is what it's about. And this, if you guys just catch one thing here that's gonna help us as one church create that unity, if there's just that one key to this whole thing that will create this unity that separates this from this and turns it into this, it's this one thing, okay? And what is the difference between a praise song and a song of praise? This is the only thing, if you catch just one thing. This is what we're looking for today. What is the difference between a, song of pra a praise song and a song of praise? Go ahead and put it up. A praise song is somebody else's song of praise. Okay? A praise song is somebody else's song of praise. Somebody got alone with God. Somebody got a revelation of God. Somebody got on their face, got into his presence, and God started peeling back the onion layers of their brain to show them who he is and reveal his spirit to them. And they got a song of praise. And they started praising him out of what they know but they took what they know, and as they were praising God for what they know, 
He started revealing to them what they don't know. I'm getting ahead of myself. Just listen, just listen. I'm getting ahead of myself. So a praise song is somebody else's song of praise. I could go into the office over here and we have a binder full of praise songs. They're somebody else's song of praise. Somebody else's, we didn't write them. They're not our songs, but that's okay. Listen. A song of praise, go ahead and put it up. A song of praise, very simply, belongs to you. So how do we do this? So how do we all come together and sing somebody else's song? How do we do this? How can we make this our song of praise? This song belongs to us. It has to belong to us. So first, you need to put your name on it. You need to put your name on it. When we're singing songs together, it's not somebody else's song. And it's not about the melody and it's not about the words. First, you gotta take that song, you gotta look at those words and you say, yep, that aligns with the word of God. First of all, it's gotta line up with the word of God. Okay, let's just start somewhere. Let's have some foundation. It's gotta line up with the word of God. And we say, you know what? This lines up with the word of God. You know what? This lines up with the spirit of God. So you know what? I'm gonna put my name on it. I'm gonna put my name on it. I'm gonna adopt this song. This song has the name Woods after it. This song has the name Woods after it. Take that song and I'm putting it in here. Not in here. Putting the song in here. Okay, listen to this. Listen to this. You align your spirit with a song. You come into agreement with every word. You sing from your spirit, and the praise song becomes a song of praise. Are you following me? It's really simple, but it's kind of a little tricky. Okay, so I'm just going to recap. This is important. This is important because we're going to practice this today. Okay, this is important. A praise song belongs to somebody else. A song of praise is yours and has your name on it has your name on it, okay? Now listen, when we as a church, I'm not talking about me now, I'm talking about us. Now, I'm not talking about the praise team, okay? Yes, this happens at, on the praise team level, okay? But what's important is not the praise team. What's important is not me. What's important is you and us and the kingdom of heaven coming to earth. That's what's important. So listen, when we as a church can take a song, when we take a song, this is a praise song, this belongs to somebody else. When we can take that song and we can put our name on it individually and then we say, you know what? As a congregation, Lord, as your bride, we're putting our name on it. So this song isn't being sung just by Stephen. This song is being sung by the bride of Christ. This song is being sung by Grace and Faith Fellowship as one voice, as one song. We're gonna practice that. But listen, before we get there, this is how we take a song and we're singing, you are good, good, oh. You know, we're singing this song and then we take it and we say, you know what, this isn't just a song, this isn't just a praise song, this is now my song, my, my, this is my, <laughs> what's it called? My song of praise. This is, <laughs> this is my song of praise. Okay, now we can then, we're singing the song and now we're singing you are good, good because that's what was written. Now we're singing you are good, good because it's what we believe. Now we're singing you're good, good because it's coming out of us. Now we're not just saying the word good, good but we're 
declaring it and we're saying it from our own spirit. Now it's coming from me, God. This isn't just a word. This is coming from me. I am right now declaring that you are good. But listen, we're all doing this together. So we're all declaring that you are good. And now we start aligning with the spirit of worship. And then he starts revealing things to us that we were seeing out of knowledge. He starts revealing to us what we don't know. Now we've gone to singing into the spirit. This is where fresh songs, songs start coming up. Now because this is our song, why can't we write another to this song because the Spirit of God is downloading this. He's revealing himself to us, a new layer, a new facet, a new layer of his faithfulness. I gotta sing about it right now. I gotta sing about it right now. So we're singing you're faithful, you're faithful, but you know what? You're also glorious, you're glorious, you're powerful, you're powerful, and he's starting to reveal these things to us. This is how we take a praise song and we make it a song of praise. We put our name on it, then we put our name on it. Your praise is only as powerful as your perception. Go ahead, put that up for a moment. Your praise is only as powerful as your perception. Why do we say this? Because if you don't believe what you're singing, if you don't understand it, if you don't believe it, if you don't believe that he loves us, then they're just words. And your song of praise just became a praise song. Just became words on a page. This is important, church. This is what creates unity in this room. This is what creates a song of praise. This is how we go deeper. And I remember I was you know, putting, putting this together and I said, God, in the very beginning, I said, God, you know what, just give me the recipe. Give me the recipe. Give me everything. Give me the recipe for that perfect praise, for the perfect praise song. And I was just quiet, and I felt God say, Stephen, I don't want your recipe. I want your relationship. I want you to get on your face and get to know me. I want you to get on your face and get to know me. He knows us too well. He knows me too well. He gives us a recipe. We're gonna can that thing up so tight and we'll probably end up trying to sell it. He knows us too well. He wants our relationship. He wants us to get on our face and get before him and find out ourselves how good he is. It's not about a verse going into a chorus, going into a crescendo, going into a modulation. It's about his relationship. It's about getting to know him. Come on, do you guys agree? I'm glad that you agree, it really helps. It really helps that you agree. There's not my words, this is the word of the Lord. This is why I love reading out of scripture because if, if I just read some scripture verses, you guys, I can't be wrong, it's the word of the Lord. It's about getting to know intimately the God of the universe and worshiping first what you know. First, what you know. We worship what you know, he says, and I will reveal what you don't know. First, worship what you know, and I will reveal what you don't know. So Jesus is talking with a woman at the well. They're talking about worship. Where should we worship? They worship over here. They worship over here. They worship over here. And in John 4, 22, 23, if we can put that up on the screen, Jesus says to her, you worship what you do not know, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. 
And there's a lot of things that we could talk about with that, but here's the point, the next scripture. But the hour, listen to this, guys. Listen to this, is it up here? Is it up here, you guys, okay. But the hour is now. I want you guys to say that. The hour is now. Okay, it's not tomorrow, all you procrastinators, okay? The hour is now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. Wow, God has been waiting for somebody to get this relationship and to go a little deeper. God has been waiting for his bride to understand that we don't just worship what we know. He wants us to worship in spirit and in truth. Truth is what we know about God. Go ahead, let's put that up on the screen. Truth is what we know about God. What we know from experience, from what we know from the scriptures, it's what we know. This is where we start. We start worshiping what we know. God, we know that you're good. We know that you're faithful, Lord Jesus. We know, Lord Jesus, that you died for us, that you died for our sins. Lord, the the Bible says you did that because you love us. So let that be our first truth. Let that be the first thing that we know about you, that you love us. And as we go into your presence and as we sing about your love, Lord, that you would unveil deeper parts of your love. And as we go into your spirit, you would reveal a deeper part of your love. But as we're there, now you start a deeper part of your grace and a deeper part of your mercy, and we start getting to know you, Lord Jesus. Spirit is what God reveals to us as we worship what we know. Spirit is what God reveals about himself as we worship. And this is where we get into our free worship. This is where we get into prophetic worship. Because we start by worshiping what we know. We know that you're good. And we go a little deeper, and we're singing it from our own hearts. We're singing it as a song of praise. We put our name on it, and we're saying, God, this isn't just a word. This isn't just something that we're singing. This isn't something that we just do, but we're here declaring from the depths of our hearts that you are good. And then he peels a layer, and and we're like, whoa, I didn't know you were that good. And then how is it next week that you peel another layer, and I find out that you're actually that good? And then he starts peeling layers of himself, and that is how we go from just worshiping in truth to worshiping in spirit. And that's where these songs start coming from. That's where these songs start coming from. Listen to this. In 2 Chronicles, this is, this is awesome. God is so good. This, this, this scripture is awesome. I'm not talking about my, my, my Raymond noodles. Although I think God dropped some shrimp in there back then. So y'all getting some protein, but it's still Raymond noodles, okay? Listen, 2 Chronicles talks about King Jehoshaphat. <laughs> I, I'm probably gonna mess up this name a few times. All right, so here's what we know about King Jehoshaphat. He, his name's kind of hard to say. All right, that's number one. Uh, he was a good king. His father was a good king. The king of Judah, which means praise. He knew God. He was a good king. He removed all the idols from the land. He removed all the idols. He cleaned it up. He said, you know what? This is going to be a house of God. This is going to be a house of God. He removed the idols. He was living a good life. As pastor would say, he was ruling in the cool of the day. Things were good. 
Things were going really well. He had a good relationship. Things were going really well. But all of a sudden, a messenger comes up to him. Out of nowhere, he's basking in the cool of the day. He's in his hammock. A messenger comes up to him and says, King, there is a massive army consisting of three nations. They are coming from around the Dead Sea, but they're already here. They're already here. I'm sure as he was hearing this, he's thinking, okay, they're coming from around the desk. We got about this many days. Boom. They're already here. It's too late. It's too late. How many of us have been in that position? How many of us have been in that position where we're walking in the cool of day with God? I said, God, I've known you for so many years. Things are good. And then all of a sudden that call comes. Or all of a sudden that knock comes on the door. How many of you been in that position? How many of you can relate just a little bit? Maybe it wasn't an army of three nations, but maybe you can relate just a little bit. I know that I can. There's only one thought that would ever come into my mind if anyone asked me that question. And I remember the time that I was in a recovery room after the birth of our first daughter, Ella, and we were celebrating. We were in the cool of the day. We were celebrating. And I remember a doctor knocked on the door let himself in, and rocked my world. I've been there. I know what it's like. It's not easy. King Jehoshaphat, it says right here in verse three, it says Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news, and he begged the Lord for guidance. He was terrified. Wouldn't you be terrified if you're the king and you're the one that's supposed to, you're supposed to, one that's supposed to protect these people and there's three nations way too big for you and you don't even have time. You don't even have time to protect the children. You have no time to send anyone on a boat and get the kids out of there. You got nothing. So you know what God said to him? He's crying to God, God, what am I supposed to do? Nothing. Nothing. God didn't say anything. And I remember thinking, God, why didn't, why didn't you say something? Why, didn't, why not right there? Why not right then? And God said, just keep reading. Just, just keep reading. I said, okay, all right. So you know what King Jehoshaphat does? He calls church. He says, you know what? If we're going, we're going praising and worshiping. If we're going, we're going to church. We're going to church. He calls church. Verse three, he says, he also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. He prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful, you are mighty, and nobody stands against you. Now, he turned it into a worship service. He said, we're not just having church, guys. We're, let's worship. Let's tell God how good he is. God, you are good. Go ahead, pull that up again. Pull up verse six. Pull up verse six. Look at this. You are good. You are ruler. You are 
powerful. You are mighty. It's all in verse 6. And verse 7, he goes on to say, Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to to the descendants of your friend Abraham? You know what? God loves it when we remind him of who he is and what he has done. He loves it when we remind him of who he is and what he has done because it sparks, it ignites a spark of faith in our hearts to say, God, you've done it and I believe you will do it again. I believe you will do it again. Say it, I believe you will do it again. You can do it, God. You've done it before. He loves it. He says, come on, keep telling me how good I am. Keep telling me what I've done because I know what that's gonna do in your heart. When you're in that position, there's nothing better to do. Remind God who he is. Remind God what he's done. Not because he needs it, okay? He created it this way. He knows what we need. He knows what we need. Come on. He goes on to remind God in the next verse. He goes on to remind God about the temple that they built in his honor. The fact that these very armies are coming from nations that God had them go around as they were coming out of Egypt. So the children of God come out of Egypt. They come across Jericho. And God says, you march around that thing. You shout, and I'm gonna have those walls come down for you. All right? So he's saying, God, we could have just done that back then. We could have knocked them all out back then. And you know what? You said to go around them and to repay us. You know what they're doing? They're coming across us. God, why? You remember Jericho. Verse 12, oh our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking for your help. And all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, with their wives, with their children, And the spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel. And I'm gonna mess up all of his father's names. This is important, okay? Not my mess up, okay? But the father's names. Son of Benaiah, son of Jahiel, son of Mataniah, and a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. Okay, now that I butchered all those names, I could have just kind of skipped that but there's something important here. Why are we tracking his genealogy all the way back to Asaph? Asaph was a worship leader in David's tabernacle. The Lord felt this was important. He felt this was important. You know what? Let's show his genealogy all the way back to worship. And who are these people? They're the people of Judah. Worship, 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 worship. Verse 15, he said, listen, Okay, he's still prophesying. Listen, all of you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat, listen to this. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army for the battle is not yours. The battle is God's. Listen, listen, God called and he wants his battle back. Come on. God called, he wants his battle back. God, take it. Take this battle. 
<laughs> you know, it takes faith, actually, to give, God all the ba- the, to give God the battle. It takes faith. It takes faith. So you know what these people had to do? They're listening to this prophecy. And you know what they're hearing? A praise song. Listen, this is somebody else's words. They're hearing a praise song. The people of Judah had to take that praise song, they had to put their name on it, they had to adopt it, and they had to say, you know what? Let's make this our song of praise. As one, as one, let's make this our song of praise. It's not easy, that's not easy. Sometimes we're fighting battles that aren't even ours. And you know what? We aren't really good at fighting battles in the spirit because we're flesh. We're not that good at it. But we try and we try and we try and we try and we try. And God's saying, give me that battle. I am spirit. I know exactly what to do. Just give it to me. And we're holding on and we're holding on and we're holding on. And we're saying, you know what? There's this prayer that I could pray and there's this thing that I could do and and there's this thing I could say. And God's just saying, give it to me. Give it to me. Listen, listen. In verse 16, he tells, he tells them in this prophecy, he tells them, go out in the morning. I'll, God says, I'll show you exactly where the armies are. So God, wait, listen. If you're gonna take this battle, can't we just stay here? <laughs> can't we stay away from the battle, okay? Because like, what if like, we didn't hear you quite right? Shouldn't we stay a little bit away from this thing, God? No, no, you're gonna go and you're gonna watch. You're gonna go and you're gonna watch. Verse 17, but you will not even need to fight, he says. You will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. Watch it. Watch it. This is why I want you to go there. This is why I gave you a map, because I want you to watch it. Why do I want you to watch it? Because when you need reminding that I'm faithful, you can say, you remember that time that we watched God? They haven't seen it yet. They're just trusting that it's going to happen at this point. So listen to this. It says, do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out amongst them tomorrow. For the, Lord is, for the Lord is with you. Go out amongst them. I'm sure that was not easy because they weren't prepared. They weren't prepared for a just in case. God really is pushing them out there. He's saying, you know what? I'm gonna give you this battle, but you gotta go there and be amongst them. What do you mean amongst them? I don't have a sword. I don't have a shield. Why do I need to be amongst it? You're God. Just, can't you, you said you'll take care of it. Can't you take care of it? There's a reason for everything he does. Now listen. It takes faith to stand still. In this scripture, in this scripture, just back up just a little bit to the scripture. And it says, the Lord says, stand still. That is not going to be easy. That is not going to be easy. (laughs) I'm not prepared for this battle. I know, God, that Somebody prophesied and said that you were going to take care of it. But unless I take that praise song and make it my song of praise, this is not going to be easy. The people chose to take his word and make it their song of praise. And you know what I think is great about this is I, God had told me in the beginning, just wait, just wait, just wait. God did speak to the king. 
And he spoke to them through a word in the middle of a worship service. Wow. You know that still happens. You know God hasn't changed. God is still speaking words in the middle of worship services today. God still has words for you, and God still has a direction for you in the middle of your worship. Thank you, Lord. This is why we worship. This is why we worship. Sometimes the best position to hear God is on our face. The best position to hear God is on our face. Come on. Does somebody agree? One person over there agrees. One person agrees. Verse 18. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low on his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. They bowed down and they said, let's get in your presence. Let's thank him for how good he is. You know what, guys? Some of you need to take some time to hear the word that just happened. Some of you need to take some time to hear this prophecy and get on your face and make it your song of praise. Some of you need to get on your face and put your name on it. You gotta put your name on it. So listen to this. Then, verse 19, then as they're all worshiping, as everyone's laid out, as everyone's laying down, then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood up and praised the Lord with very loud shouts. So we have people laid out, we have people on the altar, we got people laying down, we got people shouting over there. Could you imagine if there was a first time visitor at this church? They'd be like, oh, this place is crazy. Honey, get the kids, we're, we're, gonna head, we're heading out, get the kids. No, stop them, stop them, stop them, don't let them go. No, guys, listen, it's not usually like this. Usually Pastor Rob is here and it's much better, okay? He serves filet mignon, okay? But this guy's giving Raymond noodles. God just put a bullion cube in there. Just, just put a little bullion cube in your Raymond. Keep your bowls out. Keep your bowls out. Listen to this. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness. It's time. It's battle time. It's battle time. They went out into the wilderness. On the way, Jehoshaphat uh, stopped and said, listen to me, all of you people of Judah and Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Remember, it's not easy to stand still when you're going into a battle that you're not prepared for. So what do we need to do? What do we need to do? What do we need to do? Believe in the Lord your God. Believe him, believe, believe. Remember that word, believe, believe, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. Verse 21, after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. Sounds like a praise song. Sounds like a song of praise. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord his faithful love endures forever. You know what they're singing? Faithful you are. This is what they're singing. Faithful forever you will be. We believe it. We believe it. You know what they're singing? They're singing, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Yes, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. 
This is how I find my battles, right? This is what they're singing. This is what they're singing. This is why we sing these songs. Listen, they're not just words. They lead us into battle. It's not a song. It's a launching pad into his promise. It's not a song. It's a launching pad into his promise. And you know what his promises are? All his promises are yes and amen. Come on, this is why we sing these songs. It's not just a song, it's a launching pad into his promise. Listen, this is important, and there's a very important word here. Next scripture, next scripture, verse 22. Listen to this. My favorite word of this scripture, okay? At the very moment, that is an awesome word right there. Okay, listen to this. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon and caused the armies of Moab to turn against their allies from Mount Seir. Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. Let me say it again. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. The moment they started singing, faithful you are. The moment that they started singing, this is how I fight my battles. The moment those words came out of them, not just in truth, but in spirit, they started turning on themselves. Verse 23, the armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies of Mount Seir and destroyed every one of them. After they had destroyed the armies of Seir, they began attacking each other. This is how I fight my battles. Come on, come on, listen to this. Verse 24, listen to this, verse 24. By the time the army of Judah reached the lookout point, just the lookout point, because remember, they had to go down. They had to be with those people. God said, God said have faith, believe. You, you're going to go down with those people, and they did. Listen to this. The armies of Moab and Ammon turn against each other. Now listen to this. Verse 24. By the time the army of Judah reached out to the lookout point, they had completely annihilated each other. And the Bible said, not one remained. Not one. Not one. Not one. This is why we sing. You are my champion. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. Every battle you've won. We'll get there. I know you guys don't know this song yet. Yet, listen, this is why we sing these songs. This is why we sing these songs. Listen to this. Verse 25, verse 25. King Jehoshaphat and his men, this is awesome. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder, it took them three days to collect it all. Three days! What the enemy meant to be a battle, God made to be a blessing. What the enemy meant to be a battle, God made a blessing. He made a blessing. Three days, he made a blessing. Jesus, only you, only you, God, only you. Only you could do this. Listen to this. 
Often we can only see the battle. Often we're just as scared, we're just scared of the struggle. That's all we can see. We can't see the blessing yet. We can't. If we did, it would be so easy. We have to have faith, we have to believe that God, you did it before and you can do it again. Listen to this, when we praise him, you gotta put this up, you gotta see this. When we praise him, and obey him, we allow him to turn battles into blessings. This is what they did, this is what they did. This is what they did, because you know what? They didn't just praise him, okay? They had to obey him, and that was the harder part. Because you know what they could have done is they could have got on boats, and they could have praised him while they were running away. It wasn't easy. Listen, when we praise him and obey him, we allow him to turn battles into blessings because he wants to turn battles into blessings. He's done it, he'll do it again. And this is, this is how I fight my battles. Come on, this is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. Whew. Listen, we gotta keep, we gotta keep moving, we gotta keep moving. Just like King Jehoshaphat was taken by surprise. And just like some of us have been there, and I alluded to this before, there's not one thought that wouldn't come to my mind about being taken by surprise. And I was gonna bring you there for a moment. We were in the recovery room. We were celebrating the birth of our baby Ella, first child. And every single thought and anxiety and every single wonder had come to an end about the birth. It was done. She was healthy. She was healthy. She was born dancing. My wife and I say often, she was born into this world dancing. She came spinning and twirling out of her mother's womb and she screamed, her lungs filled with oxygen and she screamed loud. Her lungs worked. They were good. The doctors took her and put her on my wife's chest And just like any premature baby, they brought her to the NICU. She was early. We were celebrating. And uh, you guys know Pastor Rob? I said it before. He loves to eat. We love to eat. So you know what we did? Pastor Rob says, we're having a feast. You know, let's eat. Let's eat. So the food started coming. All right, we're there in the recovery room, and it was a buffet. It was a restaurant. There was food everywhere. We were living in the cool of the day. We were celebrating. We were enjoying it. I had a bowl of soup in my hand. I can't forget it. I had a bowl of soup in my hand. I'm raising that spoon to my mouth, and that knock comes on the door, and that doctor comes in, and without any hesitation, to see if he should kind of set the mood a little bit. He says, your daughter is very sick. He's, she's really sick. And we're like, well, what? What do you mean? Like, she's premature. Like, yeah, we get that. But we, what do you mean he's, she's really sick? What do you mean? He says, we've taken her. She started failing. We put her on this oxygen machine and it wasn't working, so we moved her to this one and we upgraded her and we upgraded her, we upgraded her and she's on our best machines and she has our best medicines and we've turned everything up all the way. There's nothing more that we can do. And it rocked my world. It rocked my world. What do you mean there's nothing more that you can do? If there's nothing more than you, that you can do, what can I do? I'm not a doctor, I don't know. 
So I got alone with God. I said, I gotta get alone. God, we got words. We got words. You know what pastor did? He called church. <laughs> pastor called church. He called the elders. He called the leaders. He says, you guys, you're coming here. We're having church. Thank you, pastor, for calling church. I went out to the car and I said, I gotta be alone. I got some words to exchange with God. I grabbed a bottle of water and I grabbed some paper, grabbed some tissues. I got down there and I just started yelling out, God, why? Why an innocent, newborn, baby, girl, early, helpless? Why my wife, why, why, why? We were in the cool of the day. God, why? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And I heard, I heard God say, believe, believe. Mm. Uh, okay, God believe what? Believe what? It's just a word. God believe what? Believe that when she dies, you'll comfort me? What am I supposed to believe? He said loud and clear, believe you will bring Ella home alive and well. God, thank you for that word. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to me. Thank you, God, because I don't know what I would have done, God. Thank you. Thank you. I blew my nose. I just knew. I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew that I knew. I blew my nose. I drank the water. I went upstairs. Church was already in session. It was already in session. There was a circle. There was prayer. There was worship. I broke through that circle. My wife's in the hospital bed. And I grabbed her face and I said, babe, we're going to bring Ella home alive and well. You know what she said? Okay. And in that moment, and I don't know how she did it so quickly. In that moment, I brought her a praise song. They were my words. This was something God spoke to me. And in that moment, she took that praise song. She put her name on it. She adopted it, and she made it her song of praise. And now, and now, listen, now, devil, you're not just fighting me. Now you're fighting me and my wife. In the same spirit, we've come together to agree on your promise. On your promise. Your promise. We knew that the battle was still on the way. And you know what? When that doctor came in, you know what he was really saying? He was really saying, guys, there's three armies coming from the other side of the Dead Sea, but they're already here. No time. You don't prepare. You don't have time to prepare. We knew tomorrow that this is it. We got what sleep we could, and at four o'clock in the morning, another knock came on our door. You guys need to come now. You need to come to the NICU now. We were in the hospital. You need to come now. You know how you scrub in every single time? Don't do it, just come now. Oh boy, okay. My heart's in my stomach. We're getting ready, we're throwing some clothes on, throw some water on the face. What's going on? Amy says to me, I knew that there was a battle coming. I knew that there was gonna be a test. And I wanna declare right now, victory. And I wanna name her middle name, Nicole, which means victory. And we took a promise and we put a stamp on it right there. And we said, you know what? God, this one's yours. This one's yours. We went to that NICU. We didn't scrub in. 
They had a crew of people there moving these machines. There was every single place that you could stick something, that you could poke something, that you could attach something. This tiny little baby was covered. She had a tube going through her mouth that was so big and she was so little that if you moved it, it would kink. And that was the only thing giving her oxygen and it was failing. So they had a whole team to make sure this thing didn't kink just so they could take this baby out of the incubator and put it in my wife's arms so she could hold her child for the very first time and say goodbye. We made phone call. We sent out a text message. We said, guys, pray, pray, pray. And it hit me so hard. It hit me so hard when I was thinking about it. And I'm so thankful for all of the people in this church. And I'm so thankful that you guys took the time out of your day and that you prayed for my baby Ella. And I am so thankful for the body of Christ. This is why we have church. This is why we get together. This is why we build relationships. Because you know what? You guys started taking that praise song and saying, you know what? I'll agree too. I'll agree too. I'll make that my song of praise too. And now that song of praise was with three, was with four, was with five, was with a thousand because you know what? Facebook started sending that all around the world. And I have a friend in Ireland and he shared it and his friends there in Australia and it started going and China and it started going and going and going and people started taking that praise song and making it their song of praise. And I am so thankful. Four o'clock in the morning, we started praying and we started fighting. We started praying and saying, God, this is, we're gonna win, we're gonna fight, we're gonna fight, and we fought and we swung and we fought and we fought and we fought and we fought. And we watched her oxygen just go lower and lower and lower and lower until their best machines couldn't even detect it. There was nothing left. They could use the best machine and force the highest percentage of oxygen into her. Her body was not having it. Her body thought she was still in the womb. This is coming from my umbilical cord. My lungs, they're not working. We had spent hours. We were done. We were, we were exhausted. We fought, God. We fought. <laughs> Amy said to her father-in-law, Pastor Rob, my father-in-law, to her dad, my father-in-law. Amy said, Dad, what am I supposed to do now? What do we do? We're tired. It hurts. And Pastor Rob says, now we worship. Now we praise. And you know what? It was in that moment where we stopped fighting. It was in that moment where we were able to stand still, which is not easy, and say, God, I'm not gonna fight this battle. This battle is yours. And I remember being on my knees and saying, God, this is it. If we have to go any longer, I can't say another word. I might be the one to die. I've given everything. And I remember in that moment, I remember Amy started talking to Ella. Now listen, guys, the doctors had already come in. They had already said, we've seen this a hundred times. Her heart rate, the way it's fluctuating, you have five minutes. And when she passes, we can't resuscitate her because every machine we would use to resuscitate her, she's already on. So let's just prepare you for that, okay? When she passes, don't ask us to do anything. 
And I remember I'm on my knees and I remember hearing my wife say, Ella, oh, you're so beautiful. And I said, she's, she's lost it. My wife cracked before me. She has lost it. And I got up to see what she, if she was okay. And I looked down and Ella's eyes had opened. I looked at her eyes. I put my forehead against my wife's forehead because I wanted to see her. I wanted to see in those eyes. And my daughter, on all this medication, and my daughter with all these cords, with all these cables, pulled those cables over and looked into my eyes. She looked back into Amy's eyes. My brother-in-law came to look. She pulled her head back and looked into, into his eyes. And pink started returning back to her face. And we, I realized, you know what, God? This is how I fight my battles. I fight them with praise. I fight them with praise. I will stand here and I will watch God be God. I will just stand here and I will watch God be God. We watched as those nurses came in and they said, whoa, 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 you can't be holding her. She's a patient now. And they put her back in the incubator and she was just a normal little premature baby from there. You know what? You know what one of her side effects were? No side effects. No side effects. But listen, but listen. They had to check her eyes. They said, all this oxygen. You don't know what we've done to her brain. You don't know all this medicine that we put into her. No, God is faithful. He sat alive and well. He sat alive and well. They did every test. They checked her eyes. They said, those blood vessels, are, they have, they're going to overgrow in her eyes. They checked her eyes and they said, you know what they said? The only side effect she has are these long eyelashes. <laughs> Thank you, God. You are faithful. I want to get the worship team to come back up here. I want to take this truth and I really believe and I really hope and I really pray that God has used this and I really pray that as a congregation we can take this song, this praise song and that we can learn to put our name on it, that we can learn to adopt it, that we can learn to make it not just ours because when you're home, when you're in your car, it's yours and you're singing it alone with him, but when you're here, it's ours, and it's our song of praise, and the reason that we can do it in unity is because we're agreeing with one spirit, the spirit of God. I believe, I believe that this song that we're about to sing, and we're gonna close the service, okay? But I believe that this song that we're gonna sing, if, we can take it from just a song that somebody wrote that is true. If we can take it from just a song and we can make it our song of praise. Our song of praise. So that song's gonna have Rodriguez on it over here, okay? That song's gonna have Romine on it over here, okay? All right, then, then that song is gonna have our name on it. The Bride of Christ your children. We're going to sing this in one voice, one song. I'm going to just quickly show you some of these words and then I'm going to call you up. We're going to have one more time in his presence and we're going to take this song and we're going to make it our song of praise. If we can just put up this chorus real quick. It says, you are my champion. Giants fall when you stand 
undefeated. Every battle you've won. Is it true, church? Is it true? You know how we know it's true? Because he's already won every battle. There's no more battles for him to have an opportunity to even lose in. So we know that he's won every single battle. Can we align with this, church? Is this truth? Next line, I am who you say I am. You crown me with confidence and I am seated in heavenly places, undefeated with the one who has conquered it all. I am who you say I am. It turns it from just a song to a launching pad to our identity. I am who you say I am. I am more than a conqueror. You said it, God, not me. Listen to this bridge. And I believe something powerful is gonna happen in this place when we sing this bridge, when we take this from just a song, and if we take it from just knowledge and just truth, but we sing it in spirit. We sing, when I lift my voice and shout, every wall comes crashing down. I have the authority that Jesus has given me. Church, has he given us authority? Has he said it over and over and over? He has given us authority. When I open up my mouth, miracles start breaking out. Does somebody need a miracle? Does somebody need a miracle? A little one, a big one? Does someone need one? Come on. I believe when we open up our mouths, that miracles are gonna start breaking out if we can make it more than a song and more than words, but we make it our song of praise. Come on. Come on, why don't you guys stand up? Why don't you guys stand up? Do you, do you guys, is someone agreeing this morning? Is somebody getting anything from this? Is anybody excited about this? In a moment, I want you guys to come up and I want you to come up expecting and believing for a miracle. And maybe for a miracle for the person next to you. Because we are going to agree as one. We're not a room full of lone rangers, but we are a room full of his children. One song, one spirit. Now listen, there may be somebody in this room that is excited about coming up here and worshiping a God that you might not even know. And before we do this, we have to give an opportunity. And if there's somebody in this room that is excited, that says, wow, this God sounds pretty good. It sounds like he really does love us. It sounds like all the stuff I've heard about him is not quite true. It sounds like I just need to get on my face and get to know him. There might be somebody in this room that just needs to get to know him for the first time. And I want us all just to bow our heads for a minute. And I want to give you an opportunity if you're in this place. And I want us all to bow our heads and we're going to pray this prayer together. And listen, it might be your hundredth time praying this prayer and that's okay. And maybe you've prayer, prayed that prayer before and you feel inside that you need to rededicate yourself. Maybe this will be your first time. And if it's your first time, 
You are one of us. We welcome you and we want you to worship with us and get to know this King of Kings. So all together, we're going to sing. We're going to say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I believe you paid the price for every sin. And I believe that if I accept you, you will call me your own. I believe that if I believe that I will be saved in the name of Jesus. And with the head still bowed, if this was your first time, just put your hand up for a moment. If this was your first time, put your hand up just for a moment. I see that. We want you to come and worship with us. And after you come and you worship with us, and if you didn't just put your hand up, you can still do this, okay? This isn't about putting anybody on the spot. This is something that you're doing in your own heart. But after we worship, I want you guys to meet us right here, and we have something for you if this was your first time. So listen, whether you've known God for five seconds or 50 years, let's come up front right now. Let's fill this front right now. Come on, guys. This won't be too long, but this is important because we're going to take some head knowledge and make it spirit knowledge. We're going to take what we know about God and we're going to worship what we know for a moment. We're going to get to know this song. We're going to listen to this song. We're going to take that song. We're going to put our name on it. And we are going to go from truth into spirit. Does somebody agree right now?